Almost. 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 Major. 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 Holy fucking shit, this is major! Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Almost Major, where we talk about the many major studios and the films they release. Today we are still on our 1980s New Line Cinema miniseries. My name is Kevin Tudor. I'm here with Charlie Nash. Hello. And Bryden Doyle. Hello. And today we are talking about The Hidden from 1987. And joining us is a super special guest, first time on here, but we've had his... Uh, is it okay if I call him better half, or is that... Oh, um, sure. Why not? No? Okay. Yeah. Uh, but no. We have half of the B-side. It is Connor O'Donnell. How are you, sir? I am great. Thank you for having me. I don't... You know, I don't think I've... I've been a guest before on other podcasts. I don't think I've ever been a super special guest, so... I'm don't listen sleep. to any other episodes where I call everybody a super special guest, but you know what? For today, it's I'm gonna very take special, that. Though. I'm going to take that home with me <laughs> uh, yeah. and enjoy it, so thank you. The next person, I'm just like, we have a, yeah, they're all right, guest. Yeah. <laughs> we have a pretty fucking middling guest, perfectly average, unremarkable <laughs> guest. <laughs> but yes, we are talking about The Hidden from 1987. This was released wide on 1,045 theaters. I think this might be the first movie we've covered this miniseries that actually went wide, because I'm pretty sure all the rest of them are just like, I barely know what date this came out. I know it made like five bucks, but this one actually went wide. It uh, debuted at number six at the box office at, on October 30th in 1987. The budget was uh, $5 million. Opening weekend did $2.4 million and a domestic and overall gross of $9.7 million. Uh, top five films that weekend is Fatal Attraction, Baby Boom, Suspect, which is a Peter Yates movie, and I'm not very... Uh, Perfect to that, and uh, oh god, we've got Fatal Beauty as well. This whole weekend is just fatal. Everything. <laughs> That's the uh, Tom Holland Whoopi Goldberg movie, which we all know. And then number five is Prince of Darkness, which kicks ass. Oh yeah, um, this so is good. one of Carpenter's. This is a pretty best. dope weekend. Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty yeah. good. Like you could walk out of this and go into Prince of Darkness or vice versa and have like a really good time, like a oh really my good God. day. Yeah, I was just thinking yeah, Halloween think double feature if this was on the thirtieth of October. I mm-hmm. this is one of those movies that you know feels like if it came out now it would like destroy like people would mm-hmm. like, absolutely love it like yeah and I guess it may it you said it cost five million how much did you say it cost it five it had made about ten so yeah I mean, so okay so it made its money back so people liked it then too but yeah yeah although. I was talking to my mom, like I watched this with my parents last night. I, I, I'd seen it. They had not seen it. My mom was like, I don't, she, she was like in her thirties when this like, you know, in like the eighties and everything. She was like, I don't remember hearing anything about this movie and everything. And she was like, what's this movie about? Everything Like she was, although she did like (laughs) very quickly go like, is Kyle McLaughlin an alien and everything? She's like, is he an alien? And I'm just like (laughs) slowly remembering things maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And also I forgot. Prince of Darkness, they were both, this was, both The Hidden and Prince of Darkness were on Criterion Channel's 80s horror programming that they did, like, back in 2022, which is where I both watched these, so, very cool. Hell yeah. And Fatal Attraction, have we talked about Fatal Attraction on the pod at all? How do we feel about Fatal Attraction? (laughs) I don't know if we talked about, we talked about Ann Archer shooting Glenn Close, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) I kind of like it, I mean, it's problematic. Yeah, I haven't haven't watched it in years, we did an erotic thrillers episode last year. Right, with Um, with, uh, Karina Longworth, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was a good episode. uh, Thank you. Um, 
and that I did not rewatch that one though. I, I watched like a whole bunch of other ones. Um, so it's been a few years since I went back. Maybe I'll watch that tonight. Did, did you watch Sliver? I we did. We covered Sliver. Yeah, um, I still need to watch yeah. Sliver. Yeah, Sliver is fucking nuts. Fuck. Um, yeah, man. we covered <laughs> Sliver and Jade. I need yeah, to watch Jade. Jade is Jade. bonkers. <laughs> Jade is Can you imagine absolutely... doing a double feature of Jade and Sliver? Your brain would fucking scanner style explode. I, I certainly can because I watched them both back to back in a single night. Um, <laughs> that gave you like 30 extra days of life. Good job. Um, now I'm just thinking about fucking David Caruso saying, it's a fuck house. Um <laughs> Anyway, sorry. I'm thinking about Sliver having maybe one of the best indie lines of all time. Just get a life, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> movie doesn't. Oh man, that movie's fucking nuts. Joe Esterhouse. What a just man. Strange. What if that guy was yeah. still going? Yeah. Anyways, uh, Whoopi Goldberg movie, Fatal Beauty. I don't think that was an well, erotic thriller. I was about but, to um, say. Do you think there were lots of there was lots of confusion of like people buying tickets to the wrong movie? Oh, yeah. That would be Seems very Seems honestly like a great move. Did like, you see Fatal Attraction? Yeah, 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 I watched it. And they're just talking about, you know, when she boiled that bunny and whatnot, they were just like, Whoopi Goldberg didn't do that. Right. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had women talking and the quiet girl at the same time at the Coolidge, and people got those two mixed up, so I can't even imagine. <laughs> like, Hey, are they talking here or are they quiet here? Uh, one ticket for that girl needs to shut up. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what's better, Fatal Attraction or Swim Fan? Don't think, just say it. <laughs> Fatal, Attraction. Fatal Attraction. Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Which one have we covered on the pod exactly? Swim Fan wins. Okay. Number one song in the U.S. this week is Bad by Michael Jackson. Number one song in Canada this week is Here I Go Again by White Snake. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like you could plug in Here I Go Again at the start of The Hidden, when after he gets I out, was, he's driving the Ferrari. <laughs> I was thinking to myself while rewatching this, like, the soundtrack kind of rules in this movie. Yeah. yeah, it's got like it's got like streets of rage energy. Like it's got a like bit, yeah. you know like, and mm. I know it like predates the Sega Genesis, but it just feel like there's so much in this that I just felt like. Oh man, That's I don't a know. Great like, comparison. I haven't. I was that talking game. with. Yeah. Uh, I was talking with Mitchell Beaupre on like Twitter DMs, and we were talking about movies that like have video game energy but aren't video game movies right like dread or crank or you know like like crank is like literally a movie about like what if you had to play grand theft auto and everyone was trying to stop you but if you stopped playing grand theft auto you would die kind of thing and i feel like the hidden just kind of has some of that weird energy where it just has like this, it's like you face a boss, you kill the boss, uh, yeah, but then the it's boss like gets just re- got this like reborn weird yeah. bonkers energy to it that I feel like you could only find in like comic books and video games at the end of the eighties and like into the nineties. Yeah. I mean, the um, opening shot, which is insane and gave me chills and uh, prepared me tonally for something different that what it ends up being is still awesome. I guess you could imagine that as an opening shot of like a video game before the title screen comes up, you know? Like, yeah. It's, yeah. um, it's so, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't mean to, I jumped over your table setting, so I didn't, I don't mean to do that. Oh, but, you're fine. Uh, I mean, we can just but talk you just about mentioned Genesis White games. Snake as a needle drop. And I kind of was like, yeah, I mean, it would have fit right in. Um, well, 
I was saying to Kevin before you joined, uh, we did, um, before we did our New Line miniseries, we started New Line, we uh, did the one, the Jet Li movie, where sure. he's like, you got like the multiple versions. And there's a scene in that where Jet Li, he's like listening to the radio while he's driving. It's evil Jet Li. And he's like yeah. listening to some like soft rock music and he doesn't like it. Then he turns to a new metal station and he starts like rocking his head to it. <laughs> yeah. And there's a similar scene the at the one, start of the, the hit where Chris Bulky's like tapping his... The also has video game energy. That's like a, yes. that's like a non-video game movie, video game movie. Totally. I think yeah. I said on that episode, it's like Hulk Ultimate Destruction where you're just like destroying stuff like hitting people with like street yeah. lamps or whatever and like well they mm-hmm. did make a Jet Li game around that time Rise but of it Honor was, yes yeah, which I didn't talk about on the episode yeah, yeah. I played the demo of that a bunch as a kid yeah <laughs> yeah I've, I, there's got to be a letterbox list that just like big video game energy and I just got to go down that yeah and big, then, big VG energy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any of y'all seen Gamer? That movie sucks. Um, <laughs> that movie is not good, but it's kind of fun in a holy shit kind of way. <laughs> like the- I was like 16, 17 when that came out. I was like 09 or something. I was in the theater and I was just like, this is this is so juvenile. Oh, and it's I was like 16. It's insanely juvenile. <laughs> it's pretty like, vile. Yeah. I feel like as someone who... It, for my palate cleansers lately, I've really taken to movies like I mean, like I rewatched Crank recently, and that mm-hmm. yeah. certainly fits in that camp. But like in my head, I was just like, "There's something about this that's so comforting." Yeah. Oh um, yeah, totally. But so I can don't you, know if gamer. Can you up. watch Crank not on like a PSP? Like, can you watch <laughs> that on a television? That's wild. Isn't the guy and I the actor's name escapes me, but the gentleman who's the he's like the the partner in this. He's also the dude in the club in Lethal Weapon who uh, who they intimidate by. Uh, oh, I was just talking about him. Edward Ross, yes. right? Uh, he's the partner of Willis. You guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, thank you. He uh, he's like very prominent on the poster, right? It's like yeah, which I think is kind yes. of funny because it's in a way where you're like, oh, that dude's the bad guy. And he's not, you know, like he just, yeah. I mean, he, I guess he sort of is for like 45 seconds or whatever, but <laughs> uh, just because of the nature of the movie. But I just remember thinking like, oh yeah, that I could see that dude being like a good maniac. This was when I first watched it like years ago. So when Kevin even like brought it up, I was like, hell yeah. Like, and I kind of watched it then like sight unseen. But, um, but I do remember thinking that that dude would have made like a great maniac and then I kind of, I wasn't disappointed, but I was kind of confused. I was like, so when is that guy going to start killing everybody? And, he, and it <laughs> kinda, he kind of only pops up for like 45 seconds uh, near the end. But Plot description from Google. Uh, the homicide, A homicide detective and an FBI agent team up to find the human host of an alien life form responsible for turning citizens into homicidal maniacs. Sign me up. Um, written by Jim Coff. Uh, apparently there was like, Brian, you'll probably talk about this. There was like some kind of discrepancy with the writer didn't kind of want his name on it, and then by the end of it, he did. Because well, he wanted it, Jim Coof, he wanted to direct it initially. Uh, this mm. was a long interview, I think, that I read of with Jack Shoulder on Horror Obsessive from five years ago that Andrew Grubbis conducted. Uh, Shoulder says, it's written by Jim Coof, wanted to direct it, and he had taken it around all over Hollywood, and nobody wanted to make it. He took it to New Line, and they said, well, we'll make the film, but we don't want you to direct it, <laughs> which seems kind of harsh. Uh, he pretty much said, fine, I'll just study the script, and I don't want anything that to do with it. I mean, I take a pseudonym as the writer, and is the name like that he takes on like the script? It's like Bob someone. Uh, I don't remember, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but then, like, Jack Shoulder said, and then says, like, of course, now he's gone back, since gone back to putting his real name on the film. And, like, Shoulder, like, Re- revise the script uh and you know and all that stuff but uh like he i think he's like talking about like that sort of like how he would uh he'd do stuff like he'd help people with editing and like script stuff uh 
shoulder would. But uh, yeah, he's credited as Bob Hunt. There you go. Bob. Some- I, I, I was right. It was Bob someone. Is but, that yeah. a common pseudonym? I don't know. Hmm, Bob, I'm sure it is. They're just like, I don't know who wrote this. I don't know. So like the Bob Alan something. Smithy of of screenplays, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Alan Smithy, I'm pretty sure Supernova, that was the last time. There was the first time when they're just like, no, you can't use Alan Smithy anymore. That's too right. noticeable. And I, for, I forget what the director's <laughs> name on it was that on that fucking horrendous movie. But well, wait, Col- isn't that Jack Col- Shoulder as well? Or, I, hold on. Oh, shit. I think it might actually be. Because, what was it? Uh, well, Walter, Walter Hill, Hill yeah. dropped out. Francis Ford Coppola dropped out. And then oh, and you're I like, who finished he, the movie? Um, he, he shot reshoots. Um, I, I've seen this on Wikipedia. Jack Shoulder was hired for a substantial uncredited reshoots. And then Coppola was brought in for editing. Yeah, right. Oh, wow. There we go. Wow. wow. And was what Coppola the one so, that took the CG scene and basically did CGI blackface on Angela yeah. Bassett? Yeah, okay. Right, right, yeah. Right, right. Okay. Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh-huh. There's a, as in, uh, real quick, there's a, like a, there's a from a distance space station sex scene where you can like between, and it's supposed to be between Angela Bassett and Spader, right? I yes. Think? Yeah. And it was originally between Robin Tunney, Robin Tunney. and um, Peter Fascinelli and, or Lou Diamond Phillips. I think it might be Lou Diamond Maybe, films. maybe. Yeah. But the point is, Tunney had a close enough short haircut to Bassett that they just, that's what it, what the CG render was for. And then they decided they needed to make it a sex scene between Bassett and Spader instead. So what in post, the they just made Tunney black. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? And it's like a, t- and it's like a, and it's, you know, I mean, you, you wouldn't ever know, frankly, cause it's like from so it's far It's already away. like in the dark. Yeah. And, like, yeah. and like through this window in the space station and you see them like floating in zero G having sex. That's like the appeal of the scene. It's this giant glass. Like also while watching that movie, that even if you were concerned about that, that would be like your 4,000th concern. Sure. Sure. Before all but that, it is one like, of those things. Who are these people? I don't like, care. You're like, that's kind of a weird, bad CGI shot. And then I was like reading about it and I'm like, Oh, that's insane. That's actually yeah. insane. Uh, yeah. Super Nova. What a watch picture. it on Tubi at the gym, the way you're supposed to. Uh, but Jim Coff, he, uh, prior to this wrote the, boogans in 1981 which i need to watch because why would you not want to watch a movie called the boogans um after this wrote rush hour in 1998 and in 2004 wrote the national wrote the national treasure wrote national treasure and taxi because that's the duality of men right there um and well, those uh, are movies that were very popular in my household <laughs> when i was growing up taxi i saw so many times i saw that as a cam rip two-parter on LimeWire back in the I day, and that's to, how I should uh, say I went to a birthday party to see Taxi. <laughs> we were like what are 13. We doing? I Just don't know. lining it the pockets really of Tim Story. When you showed up and it wasn't the Judd Hirsch show. <laughs> you were like, oh God, I thought we were just going like, to sit down and watch incredible episodes of this amazing comedy. <laughs> or I thought this was that French movie from the late 90s or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, he also wrote Money Monster in 2016 because hell yeah he did. Um, so cares. Well, yeah, I saw that man. Money Monster. Yeah. yeah, and he created the show Grimm from 2011 to 2017. Oh wow! I didn't know he created that. Didn't we That's have good. somebody I mean, who was like was involved in Grimm? What do we or think? Was, there, what are the residuals on Grimm like? Probably a lot. 
Let me ask my dad. Let me see if he's watched Grim. Hold <laughs> on. I mean, I guess that's not that surprising they created. I mean, it's like kind of a similar genre mashup where it's like you know cop procedural with like you know with fantastical like crazy shit. It. Oh, it's yeah. a cop procedural. Yeah. I I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know why my brain just went to was that like when Once Upon a Time was big or something like. Or like Basically. Lucifer was another show sure. where it's like what if Satan solved right. crimes? Uh, yeah. yeah. Damn it, I'm trying to fit. There was somebody that we covered that like basically did nothing afterwards and then did like a nine year run on like an NBC show in like the 2010s, and I can't think of it, but it wasn't grim, I don't think, but it was something very similar. It'll it'll come to me. Um, directed by Jack Shoulder. We talked about him all in the episode of Alone in the Dark, so go listen to that. Uh, starring Kyle McLaughlin as Lloyd Gallagher. That's a fake alien-ass name. Prior to this, Dune in 1984 and Blue Velvet in 1986, and this is his third performance, which is nuts to me. After this, yeah. uh, Twin Peaks, of course, and um, Showgirls in 1995, Hamlet in 2000, and Portlandia. Lots of episodes of Portlandia. Yeah. That's crazy to me that this was his third role, Blue Velvet was his second. That's also crazy to me. Honestly, I'm, what an incredible one-two punch. Good I for know. Him. I mean, yeah. <laughs> And in Blue Velvet, he looks like 14 years old, so that, that makes sense. He kind of looks 15 years old in this, so... <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. He's like, I'm an FBI agent, and you're like, aren't like, you? Aren't you're an well, FBI they, they agent. They make a quip about that. The FBI Bureau is getting them younger yeah, and younger yeah, these like, days. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's sure right. That's right. three Kyle McLaughlin's standing on top of each other <laughs> in a suit. <laughs> uh, anyway... And Michael Nori as Tom Beck. Prior to this flash dance in 1983, will this movie please stop fucking get brought up on this fucking podcast? <laughs> and uh, after this, Lovely and Amazing in 2001, listen to our episode on that. Um, uh, Connor, what is your opinion on flash dance? Because uh, I'm a big, that movie sucks ass I mean, you, opinion. You reacted in a way like flash dance killed your whole family, but. Kind of um, did. <laughs> I was like going through, I was going through like. Which, you know, Fatal Attraction, same since, guy. But. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. One of my sisters really loved that movie, and I remember oh. it being on. So I, I actually can't even say with confidence I've actually watched it all the way through. Uh, what if a woman could weld, but she also wanted to dance? Yeah, I mean, I remember that. <laughs> okay. What else happens in that movie? I don't know. I really Nuri's don't also know. like, tw- like what, 20 years older than Jennifer Beals in that movie or something? It's like a big age gap, I feel like. Uh, well, Jennifer Beals in that movie is like welding and she's like 14. You're just like, God damn. <laughs> well, the welding adds like 10 years, too. So it's really <laughs> the minute you're a welder. You know. How old are you? 19. You're looking out older. Right, right. The minute you have welding miles on you. What if Benjamin really... Button was a welder? He was a welder on that fucking but Irish ass did a flash dance. That's just one of the many careers he did. What a feeling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trivia. Bryden, you did some research on The Hidden, so let's see. What do you got? Yeah, sure. Um, well, we're talking about Kyle McLaughlin. One of the alternate people that they uh, were thinking of casting was uh, Peter Gallagher. Uh, which I feel like that would be like, a t- I, I think he's a really good actor, but I feel like that would be like a completely different feel. I feel like Gallagher is like maybe a little too slippery to play a guy who's like so I earnest. I feel like Gallagher could play the straight man in this. Yeah. He yeah, could be sure. the Michael Yeah, that would be good. Or, yeah. the, or the villain, for, or like one, like the villain at some point. Like He could have voiced the dog. I yeah. feel like if Gallagher <laughs> was... And to be clear, we're talking about the comedian, the watermelon comedian Gallagher. <laughs> oh, that would kick uh, ass. If Gallagher was... No, uh, no but Instead I think... Instead of if, an alien gun, he just if, has a massive mallet. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
that's kind of where this movie goes anyway, in terms of like levels of weaponry that get used. Um, but no, I think if Peter Gallagher, yeah, were, were the McLaughlin role, I think he'd have to play it in a way where you're not entirely sure if he's like on the level. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. whereas like, and granted, I also might be like coming at it from like what I know and think of Kyle McLaughlin, you know, g- going into the movie where you're like, oh yeah, he's so good at playing a little weirdo. But like a nice one, you know, like it's like that's his energy. And Mm -hmm. so you're kind of already. But but I like I never for once in this movie believe Kyle McLaughlin poses any kind of a threat. Right. Whereas I feel like if it was Peter Gallagher, you'd be like, "Mm." that would also be funny if Peter Gallagher showed up and they were like, man, they got younger and younger these days. (laughs) (laughs) I guess how old would would Gallagher have been? Right. I don't know. Uh, that's a good question but like they didn't want to cast i i just found a quote it was uh from this interview i got from uh, uh the site's called horror obsessive where they didn't want to ca- new line didn't want to cast mclaughlin because they thought he looked too wimpy but shoulder said like no it's that underdog quality that makes you root for him in, in the movie and i, was I like, think yeah. that's correct i think that's yeah. the right yeah. instinct when they made this had blue velvet come out yet yeah i know that like it it had like so like they had seen blue velvet I mean, yeah, that didn't really help their case, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. You're like, how does he go from discovering ears to being like an yeah, alien? Cause, fucking, cause yeah, Blue Velvet is like the most twisted, fucked up, like, sexual coming of age story you could possibly imagine from that character's but he's perspective. Got the, but he's got the same wimpy energy in both movies. In yeah. A, but I, it, it, in a way that helps, I think. Yeah, yeah. Even he gets a little upsetting and towards the end of blue velvet where he loses his innocence that's but yeah <laughs> peter gallagher was 32 at the time of the hidden okay yeah, yeah. god yeah, peter he Gall- just would have been like a guy yeah <laughs> he would have been me just i'm 32 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well meanwhile at 32 peter gallagher looked like like 55 probably um let me see it's the eyebrows it's the eyebrows of peter gallagher for me like there's something yeah. about and I say this is also a guy with very thick eyebrows. Like, there's just something about it that, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you have anything to say about Peter Gallagher's stint on SVU? Uh, Apparently he was a big recurring role in SVU. No, I guess. Uh, for whatever reason, all I can think about uh, with Peter Gallagher right now is Sex, Lies, and Videotape and him chopping up Francis McDormand's couch in Shortcuts. <laughs> he is oh, also yeah. <laughs> the star of the only thing Tom Cruise ever directed, which is an episode oh, of Fallen, Fallen Angels, Angels? Oh, yeah. Frightening wow. Framus. I need uh, to watch those. With, and it's with him and Nancy Travis, I believe. Um, Interesting. So, for whatever that's Yeah, been. I need to watch that. I think I think Mecca was talking about he found like a VHS of that back in oh, the day. No, not was like found. A... I, as a Christmas gift Ooh. one year, gifted him with a VHS <laughs> oh, copy that had the frightening Framus on it and oh a VCR so he could watch it. That is <laughs> wonderfully <laughs> inspired. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> open a VHS. This is great, but how am I going to watch it? You have one more yeah, gift right. underneath the fr- <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, continue. Yes. Shoulder talks about in um, the uh, the Flashback Files interview that I did, which he did like in the 2020s. So like it's a fairly recent interview and it's a long interview kind of going through his whole career. He talks about how he thinks he said Michael Nuri was kind of difficult to work with, like how he felt like Nuri said, like, I think he said Nuri felt insecure was the word they used because he felt like he should have had a bigger career. I think Nuri's good in this, but like, you know, it's it and it, but like, yeah, it's. I, I, we were talking, I think, before we started recording, how, like, I think Nori has a bit of a tough role where he is the straight man, but I think his reactions to McLaughlin's, like, sort of, uh, 
straight-faced uh react straight-faced manner dealing with all this insanity in the movie is like i think is quite good yeah. um he's very mm-hmm. understated throughout a lot of the movie i think until then like he has like the proper if hot, this movie were reactions. the only piece of evidence to back up nuri's claim about his career i would agree with him you know what i mean like mm-hmm. kind of because watching it he's like got charisma he's got screen presence like you said he like he has the perfect he's like they are like a really good buddy cop pairing in that regard. Like they have really good chemistry um, mm-hmm. in a way that I kind of was like, yeah, this guy like never really popped off. Like he's good in this. He's very handsome. Right. Like, so you're kind of just like, what's the deal? But I feel like also the minute you are dealing with someone who has that chip on their shoulder, you're like, oh, that's the deal. That's like your problem. <laughs> Bryden, real quick. I found out who's involved with Grimm. So it was co- co-created by Jim Croft. It was also co-created by a man named David Greenwald, and also co-created by a man named Stephen Carpenter, the director of Soul Survivors. That's <laughs> right. Oh. All roads, all roads lead back. That's fucking right. Now we just got to find something to cover with David Greenwald. Yeah. All right. I I was damn near I damn near screamed on the mic when I found out. I was like, damn it! I know it's grim. That's so funny. <laughs> Okay. When, um, when Shoulder was doing uh, Shoulder, also he wanted to do the hit, and he talked about how he didn't want to. So like before this, he did Nightmare on Elm Street too. He didn't want to be a, a a horror guy. Like he said, he seems kind of like. I mean, I wonder almost now. He's probably not an online guy or anything, but like uh, he like I imagine like is Shoulder the kind of guy like who would talk about like elevated horror and everything because like he talks about how like well, Alone in the Dark is not really like a, a horror film. It's more like a, an art film and everything. Like he was talking about that and now it's yeah. a horror said, film, like, man. <laughs> yeah, and like Wes Craven, he said like Wes Craven was like much better like ex- expressing himself like through the horror film. I express myself in spite of the horror film. I think is like the phrase that he used in like at least a couple of interviews. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, Wes Craven listen. is also the guy that was just like I don't want to make horror movies and I try to not make horror movies i try to make them like art films and whatnot it's just like okay buddy yeah yeah uh, both really good directors yeah, yeah. so i'm fine with it but like it's just like sort of like okay but he did um the hidden because like he was like oh great like it's not a horror script great i'll, I'll take it he said uh also he wanted to like do a cop movie and everything like he's talked about like he likes city lumet movies and uh also, uh, how he wanted to do also a car. I mean, it's not. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of Sidney Lumet's The Hidden. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I just did like, it's like the early version of when people would say about like Spider-Man Homecoming, like, oh, it's like a John Hughes movie. It's like, is it or is it just in high school? Kind of thing. I mean, and it's like, and it's like that sort of this. It's like, it's like yeah. a Sidney Lumet movie. And you're like. I guess whatever you got to tell yourself, Jack Shoulder. Like, yeah. if that's what's going to get you through the work day. <laughs> what if, like, the Hidden... I mean, I know there is a, a direct-to-video sequel of the Hidden, but what if the Hidden 2 was, like, a single movie where it's, like, the court case dealing with all yeah, this right. stuff? I know the, the aliens the, did, yeah. but it's, like, the... All all so you're all saying right. my client shot them 47 <laughs> times. And just ends with one of them just to... Run, like, the, the yeah. alien just comes out of one right. of them. <laughs> while the they slam the knights down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He also really wanted to do, um, he talked also about how in researching how to do like a car chase, like specifically the opening, he want, he had like someone get him like a bunch of car chases, like just so he could see like, like how to do one really well. He talked about French Connection being it's a really good one. It's a decent car chase. Yeah. yeah. It's, a cool, it's a cool little thing. <laughs> And um, Walter, and he compares it differently. He compares it to like Walter Hill with like how he shoots like the driver, which is another car chase movie. That he cites like he says Walter likes to shoot like the scenes with the telephoto telephoto lens. You're looking at the chase from the outside. What I wanted to do was put the audience in the driver's car, uh, which I think is like it does lend you that sort of like immediacy right there, especially when like he's like driving through the plate plate of glass and like 
just demolishing that guy that poor Kicks bastard yeah. working in the street yeah don't you hate it when somebody's like just fucking on a on a fucking high speed chase and you're just trying to trying to move some window <laughs> pane you know it's just that old that old thing don't you, know? don't you hate when you own a uh, uh, let me check my notes a mannequin store and someone <laughs> yeah. just completely obliterates the front of it <laughs> then Elijah Wood comes out and is like hey what the fuck yeah <laughs> Um, well, and it's interesting we talk about like the the stunt. The, his next movie after uh, the Hidden, uh, he talks about how like he he kind of did uh, he did this movie Renegades, which is another buddy buddy action movie with Keeper Sutherland and Lou Diamond Phillips. Sure, yeah. And uh, he says that it seems like the way he talks about that that was more kind of a money job where he was expecting opportunities to come in, uh, and then they kind of started to cool down. He's like, okay, I kind of just need to like make a movie to like make something. Yeah. And then, he, but he did try to like find some innovation. Like, there's a car chase in that movie. Where like it's like starts out where they're kind of like starts out on foot that they're in like a traffic jam, which weirdly made me think of the 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 scene in Jade, which we were sure, talking about. Yeah. Where like yo, know, oh, yeah, they're like they're like stuck in the middle of the parade. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, and that's also funny too. Where like um, and he's like trying to, and he's when he was doing the car chase, he's asked this stunt guy. He says, um, he said to the stunt guy Mickey Gilbert, I asked him, is there anything you always wanted to do at a car chase that you never got to do? And there were two things: the moment where the car drives straight through the office and obliterates it. The other was a stunt bar car drives up a ramp into a semi truck and comes out the other end, and we incorporated both of those. And it's and we were talking about driving through the plate glass. It almost I during the Renegades chase, it made me think of uh, Ebert's uh, fruit cart rule, where it's like movies and like uh, where like a, a car like drives over someone's fruit cart in like the middle of the street, and like the guys like running after him like yeah. shaking his fist. <laughs> There's like a scene in Renegades where during that car chase, I think suddenly just like drives through like every vendor on like the street <laughs> just like, just ruining people's businesses what was that uh, what was that it was just cans yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean the hidden like i mean i think it like it's one of those movies where like it is a cult movie where like it gets good reviews at the time i mean charlie you shared with me like in the in the chat like this was like a a hidden it was ebert highlighted on a hidden horrors episode of cisco and ebert which is how i first heard about the movie watching that video when i was in high school Mm -hmm. and it is like one where like i think it gets like a lot of like rep screenings now like i think one of the interviews i was reading from like 2018 it was like they're doing like an alamo draft house screening of it in new york that like shoulder was going to be attending so like that's it's nice that the movie has that life that's sort of lived on. Uh, totally, in yeah, since. totally. Yeah. It's deserved. It's like a just a nice, zippy, gross, cool, little, fun banger with a good dog yeah. performance. Oh, oh t- hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get into initial thoughts because I got about 57 minutes to go on about that dog. I want this car. Jonathan Miller would never do anything to break the law. I need the keys. Thank you. Bye. He is a very fine, very honest gentleman. Something strange is happening to some ordinary people. Killed 12 people, wounded 23 more, stole six cars, most of them Ferraris. If anybody deserves to go that way, sure in the hell's him. I want answers, and I want them now. Explanation won't help you. I want to know why it takes 15 shots to take down some sold-out stripper. Why three law-abiding citizens all of a sudden go crazy and start killing people? We're talking spacemen here. Something gets in his way, he kills it. Finds a body, gets inside, uses it to move around. 
guess a career in the police didn't really prepare you for this, did it? The Hidden. You think it's over now? You're wrong. Initial thoughts, I will go really fast because I really don't have much to say other than my notes are just me saying hell yeah 58 times, so I'll just <laughs> condense that into one. But the... F the it's not really a spoiler to say that this movie is about an alien that can take many different forms. And eventually at one time, it gets into a dog. And the dog acting of this just puts to shame the dog acting in Anatomy of a Fall. I'm very sorry. but Well, hey, justice <laughs> for Snoop, okay? Wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's, is there any you... aliens in that movie? <laughs> no, there's not. But... <laughs> What if, like, oh, what did if, my husband die? See, no, this no, has aliens. No, okay. no, no, now we've gotten something interesting. What if the alien from The Hidden actually was in Snoop and then that, and then the alien that's killed why, the that's husband? That's why Snoop threw up. <laughs> mm. That's why Snoop threw up. Okay, oh. okay. And then the alien also possessed that prosecutor who was on all the cocaine in France, apparently. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. I just love how he's just like, do you know that the the song P.I.M.P. is actually a very misogynistic, but it was like, no, this is actually an instrumental cover. And I was just like, why is this movie two and a half hours long? They also um, included that <laughs> in part of the Golden Globes clip at one point. Like, you right. Actually, the biggest sin that the Golden Globes committed is that they didn't use P.I.M.P. as Justine Trier's walk-on music walk when she music. won her awards. Because that really would have been the move. You gotta I know, do that, and she yeah. won yeah. two it's awards. Really, you get one chance at that. Why would you not? But yeah, there's a shot in this movie that I was like, I damn near choked to death because uh, there's a part where the dog is just looking into the mirror, like, what body am I in? And <laughs> yeah, that so that shot is incredible. Yeah. I like, yeah, it, it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> the dog is having like an existential crisis. Yeah, that's um, pretty great. And then it's just incredible. like this guy's opening the fridge. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna bust through a fucking door, and make him hit his head on the fridge, and kill so him. So I do. And then I'm gonna vomit in his mouth. <laughs> I know that this all happens later in the movie. It happens after the mannequin factory and the stripper shootout Com comes near the end of the movie. Right. Mm -hmm. But when the dog comes into play, right. And I guess just to quickly, the mechanics of, of this thing for, for the listener. And again, it's, you can't really have this movie sp completely spoiled for you. Cause it's, yeah. I don't know, it's insane and you should watch it and it's great. But basically there's like a little bug man, uh, who is the antagonist of the film, who is like hopping from body to body. And Kyle MacLachlan is after this little bug man and uh, has teamed up with a local LAPD detective to help him. Uh, MacLachlan's posing as a fed as they go through all this, this whole buddy cop ordeal. But the, the only time MacLachlan can kill it is when it's in between bodies, right? When it's in its whatever, and it's like pure form or whatever. So I did have a question. So, there's a dead body, the bug man leaves, and it finds the dog. Uh-huh. But the dog belongs to the police lieutenant, uh -huh. right? That's how it walks away from the crime scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why is the dog there? There was supposed to be a scene, he said in the commentary, there was supposed to be a scene that they cut out where it was just like it showed the dog being in the car and like coming with him and whatnot. But he was just like, who cares? The dog's there. And right. I was just so like, you used to well, him over okay. a nightly walk or something. Because the way it's cut drive. in the movie, it looks like no one's there yet. And the dog finds the body. Like the dog is a stray dog. Mm -hmm. And then oh, yeah. you don't see the person the dog walks away with. And the dog is on a leash. And you're kind mm -hmm. of like, oh, I guess. Yeah, I guess that was somebody's I, I think, dog. So I think I remember the trajectory of the scene. Like, because I think you hear the sirens approaching when Michael Nuri is like hanging on the roof and right. everything. And okay. then mm -hmm. I think you do. 
and then like you see like a lot of other cars show up and i okay. think lieutenant like he's like his dog gets away from him like he has like the okay, dog in the car and he's the like part. hey come back okay. and then like yeah got it okay oh, it's very yeah, quick yeah, and yeah. that's why mclaughlin's so destroyed he's like no and it was only a matter of seconds second <laughs> dog mechanic question okay yes. when the dog jumps at him mm-hmm. it jumps from the outside of his apartment yeah, yeah. So the dog decided, I'm not just going to go into the kitchen and mm-hmm. attack this guy. Because he's already in the apartment having uh-huh. the existential crisis in the mirror, right? Yeah. Then the lieutenant Then he goes, opens the door yeah, yeah. himself. Yes, like a velociraptor, <laughs> right? Just to be clear. Yes. <laughs> like a Jurassic Park uh-huh. velociraptor. He opens the door. Very impressive. Uh, but he has the existential crisis. Goes to kill the lieutenant, but like d- decides, like, I'm going to go outside and really fuck with this guy. Like, he, like, almost... I have the answer for you, because yeah, okay. it's cool. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I have no, I have no yeah, problem with it, and it works stinker. as a jump scare, because you do not expect the dog to come in no. through the fucking, through the, like, the door behind him or whatever, the window. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, I want to know the dog's thoughts and feelings about, like, that strategy, like... I don't, I, I don't think we put the dog on trial here. We put the alien... Uh, in, in, embryo or whatever the fuck that thing is um the little, that little chest burster guy that guy's that charlie you were right that guy's a little stinker let me tell you yeah my dad said he looked like a snail which i thought was a good yeah. comparison yeah. yeah like a slug yeah I w- sure I, I will also say i was i i when i started this movie it was late at night and i audibly <laughs> said oh gross and my roommate went what and it came into my room and i'm like check this out it's disgusting and he went no it is disgusting like, <laughs> it's great like that the practical effects for especially yeah. that first sequence yeah. and we should talk about the opening of this movie because oh. it actually is like unreal it's so good the 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 beginning of this movie it's yeah. security yeah. cam footage of basically a figure going into a bank and and killing everybody right and then at the very end of that sequence yeah. this unnamed person looks up and shoots the camera and like that's smiles yeah, too it gives us like lifeless yeah like lifeless smile and shoots the camera and that's the end and it's harrowing and insane and great and you're like what is this movie yeah it it actually gave me chills and made me think holy shit and kind of teased yeah sure a little more of a sinister chilling movie than we got but then but then the next scene happens where he gets in the car and the rock music plays and he drives through the plate of glass well, i'm like oh no what's okay this is gonna though, be fun it's the oh, kind okay. of movie where <laughs> i don't know it just feels like the kind of movie at least for the first like 30 minutes it feels like the kind of movie where you could say to someone you might think you know exactly what's going to happen next but there's no way you're correct. Right. Like, so even like after that opening sequence and after the plate glass scene where they, you know, they get the guy who's kind of going crazy doing this rampage, you might think like, Oh, okay. So this guy's like out of his mind. Maybe he's a zombie. Like you could go through all the things in your head of like, Oh yeah. I don't know. He's like zonked out or he's on some drugs or whatever. And there's just no way you would guess that there's a little slug man inside of him pulling the strings. Like that, God, and the practical effects whenever he first it's does incredible. that to the guy in the yeah, It's incredible. So it's really good. amazing. And like, like, it can't even fit in his mouth no, at first. No, it's so like, it's, great. Yeah. And like, so basically, yeah. just for the listener, there's, you know, the guy that they capture 
right? He's going on the rampage. He gets out of bed. He goes to the guy who's in the bed next to him in the hospital and he just opens his mouth and our little friend comes out and it's just, yeah, I don't know. I, I remember when I watched it a couple of years ago when it was on Criterion Channel, I was like, oh yeah, that's like really impressive, right? And I kind of, I don't think I like fully wrap my head around like, oh no, this is like, I want to vomit. This is so gross, but it's like, in, but it's like incredible. It, I was. It, it kind of yeah. looks like the thing a little bit with those tentacles too. Yes, like if the right. Thing it's got the little tubes. With... Do we think the little tubes are a part of it, or do we think those are like some sort of apparatus that it uses as its little puppet strings? It's like, like when plankton like needs to uh, it maneuver does things. Look like plankton. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. It does kind of look like. Plankton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after the Krabby Patty um, secret formula. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somebody should just take the, all the scenes from The Hidden where we see our little slug friend and just dub in plankton over <laughs> like... It would be amazing the, too if you just see a little plankton yeah. guy like like inside the human body is just a bunch of levers that he's just... Yeah, like, that's kind of... <laughs> that's what I want to yeah. know. Like what are the, what are the actual mechanic, mechanics of him like puppeteering this fucking... Uh, this fucking thing. I will say this. I don't think the sex in this movie is queer enough because like he takes over the body of a stripper and then you're kind of like, I guess this alien is a straight man because like or maybe he has no gender. Like, did they call yeah, it? It's yeah, like, maybe. That, yeah. And there, and the stripper does have a moment when he's in the stripper's body. The stripper is kind of like, he's like, oh, oh I have, I have boobs. Like, this yeah. is cool. Right. Yeah. And that's fine. But it's like it's one of those things where I'm like. I don't know, maybe this alien has an appreciation for the human form because, like, all the dudes it takes over are kind of chuds. But, like, so I guess if it took over, like, a male model, maybe it would be like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, like, so may maybe it would be the same thing. But uh, I mean, I just kind of appreciated the fact that it was just like it, it does kind of a subversion of, like, you know, the alien is now in, you know, a body that could be easily weaponized in a patriarchal society. And instead he completely weaponizes it by being like, I'm going to fuck this creep to death and steal his car. <laughs> like, <laughs> It really does all the alien. The alien just gets into every body that looks like Robert John Burke and thinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I watched that movie. That oh. movie is fucking terrible, dude. Like jail sentences for everybody involved. Terrible. <laughs> okay, that's all my initial thoughts. So yeah, this movie rules. Uh <laughs> No initial thoughts about Thinner from 1996. <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> Don't watch it. <laughs> I, I want to. Just because. is that? Does he get gypsy cursed in that? Yes. Is that yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. Because oh, I'm, I'm, oh, yeah, I mean, that's what it, I'm saying. It, what's jail. the proper? Jail. <laughs> yeah, like, the, I mean, look, it, the, I mean, the proper term is Romania, I guess, but that wouldn't make it better in the movie. That'd still be a shitty stereotype to play into. Yeah. Uh, no, and it's right, literally like, like it's... we need to kill them because they cursed me. Meanwhile, he was too busy getting toppy in the car and just ran over this, like, 105-year-old man that, like, cursed him. And now he's just like, God, God, this guy sucks. And it's like, no, you suck. Like, you suck so bad. <laughs> It ends with him willingly murdering his wife and kids to get the curse out of him. What? <laughs> yeah. Wow, spoiler. That sounds like some Stephen King shit. Yeah. Um. Oh, boy. <laughs> Anyways, Charlie. <laughs> uh, the Hidden fucking slaps. I was, you know, there was a realization, too, because, you know, sometimes I have that overly analytical part of my brain that's like, what is this secretly about? Like, what is it getting sure. at? And sometimes it just realizing... 
you know, I mean, the, the, the opening, as we talked about, is so propulsive and so uh, kinetic, and uh, but also so inspired and so uh, just such a jolt of energy that I was like, okay, well, like the alien, like like what is this thing secretly going to be about with the switching bodies and stuff like that? And like you know, you think about invasion of the body snatchers with you know the red scare and you know mm-hmm. nineteen and all that stuff. At a certain point, I just surrendered to like thinking about how some movies or artists just steal and this movie is just stealing from all the best genre movies of uh the past and even during its time current uh state just to make a really uh, fucking exciting genre picture i mean you know it's the terminator it's the thing it's invasion of the body snatchers it's you know it's um you know, it's like a little even, bit of 48 hours. 48 like, hours. Yeah. Manchurian candidate towards the yeah. end, I guess. Like, But it doesn't really even have to be about anything. It's just exciting, propulsive genre filmmaking, which I, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, just it's just pure spectacle in a way that I completely admired in how lean and there's not an ounce of fat on this thing. It's what, like yeah. 91 minutes? Doesn't waste yeah. any time explaining what the aliens' motives are, what Kyle McLaughlin's motives are. I mean, like, I mean, it just gives just the right amount of, you know, like, you know, the the slimmest amount of exposition just to basically provide, you know, a thrill ride, uh, which it it does so fucking well. And, I mean, Connor, you mentioned earlier, like, if this movie was made today, it would fucking, uh, people would go nuts for it. Yeah, I miss this type of, like, just... Well, the good the good thing is like it seems like every time that it's on something or anything like that, people are just like, why why don't we talk about this movie literally all day yeah. every day? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's had a long it's had a long shelf life. It, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. it's just made for excitement, and it yeah. fuck it, it it excels and it, it succeeds in every level. I mean, like it's just fun. It's yeah. not it, it you know like and it provides just the right amount of everything and what its main priority is is to just be kind of wild and exciting and it's you know it's just it's just a fantastic piece of trash you know like like not and i I mean that endearingly you know what i mean like i i don't i guess it's not even like when i say trash i guess that might mean like because it's not even as filthy or as like it's pretty violent, but not like the most disgusting type of, it's just a fun genre exercise that is just the right amount of, I, 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 you know, it's, it, it's, it's as a piece of popcorn entertainment. I, 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 I yearn for the days where, you know, movies were made just to be this type of pulp. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, I mean, I get why you say trash because it's not like going after anything, but I mean, and you could, you know, certainly talk about, look, it was made in the eighties, Reaganomics, blah, blah, blah. If you wanted to dive deep into that, but it's just like, there's nothing, whether it's has shit on its mind or it doesn't, there's nothing more rewarding than a movie that sets out to do what it wants to do. And it just fucking does it. And this movie just fucking does yeah. it. <laughs> and yeah, I mean yeah. like the movie, like I'm thinking of like other movies that like sort of like mash up, like, Oh, what if it's a cop movie, but mashed up with this other genre. And I can think of like so many shitty variations on that. Like the movie I thought of, it's not the same because it's not aliens, but it's like sort of the supernatural element, but like RIPD, which sure. sucks. Oh my and God. Or anything, like it is like, which, 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 um, 
it's, yeah. it's you know, I was just gonna say RIPD came to mind, but that's a, almost kind of a weird one because that's like you can't tell me, and I know Men in Black is a comic book. I but was, like, I mean, Men in you Black. You can't, too. you can't tell yeah. me that Barry Sonnenfeld has not seen the hidden. You know what I mean? Like, no, kind, yeah. kind of thing, right? Like that. That it feels like a, a direct part of it. Yeah, the Vincent D'Onofrio character. I mean, like, it's not as much yeah. into the body horror for comic effect all the time. I feel like that's more in the earlier stages of the movie with sure, the earlier sure. victims. But yeah, absolutely. I also it's think got, it's it's got certain uh, little just traces on it of, of the hidden. Yeah, and Men yeah. in Black is fun and you know nostalgic as as fun as that movie is and as nostalgic as I am for that movie. If anything. The more you get into the lore of that universe, as interesting as it is, the more type of conservative and weirdly sure. like, 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 you know, it, it, it's a different take on this type of material. But I kind of like how just bare bones this whole thing is. So Totally. And I think, too, like the just even the beat, like you mentioned, it doesn't feel encumbered to like be about anything. And what's good about it is because it's so bare bones, like not only does it not need to be, and even if you wanted to take the Reagan eighties of it all into it, like it's all there anyway, because exactly. it's just all there, like as just a part of the atmosphere of the movie. So like anybody watching it who even wants to find that stuff, like it's there in little traces. Like even the fact that they like, I was joking about it before, but they like smash into like a mannequin factory. Like, you know, like there's all this stuff there, whether it's like has to do with like commercialism, commerce, like the way we view women, like the fact that the stripper, yeah. for instance, is just not like and not covered in money because people are throwing it at her. But part of her little literal outfit is like dollar signs and like yeah. all this stuff. Like there's stuff that's there if you want to like snack on that stuff. Oh, but, yeah. But what but the reason the movie succeeds is because it's like, yeah, I don't need I. I don't need it's there you, if it's, you want it. And I'm only, just going to be gross exactly. and cool and fun. Like Exactly. I'm not yeah. saying that there's nothing there because there is. There's stuff there, but it's not it prioritized with exposition or hitting you over the well, head. Well, it's not trying to be yeah, it's like not trying to be cute about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like there is It remembers super- to be exciting too. Like it's not just like sitting down to talk about the ideas. Like it's it, it's fun just like you said as a, a genre movie and it's like it's so well directed I think yeah. too. Like so economical yeah. and thrilling. I, I was because with Alone in the Dark, where it's much messier, I was kind of shocked watching Alone in the Dark first and being like, oh, yeah, I can definitely see that this is a first film and then going only a few years. And I haven't seen Nightmare on Elm Street 2. We're going to cover it later since I was a teenager in the closet where going from the first movie as a you know, 13, 14 year old to being like, what is this weird second movie that is like a completely different animal altogether? And, you know, it, it, me not even appreciating the queer subtext that I myself didn't even want to really explore because of uh, reasons. Uh, But, uh, you know, to go from even from my memory of that to this, it's just it's a completely different type of the direction is just so confident in this, even compared to his previous two films. Like not not that it's not confident in his previous two films, but it's even more self-assured, I guess, if oh yeah it's definitely way more developed and also just has more money like alone in the dark is like under a million this is five mil and like god damn five mil that's it i mean inflation and all that but god damn but it also reminds me too like just movies cut so much now like especially like in just ordinary dialogue scenes and i just was like i mean it's weird like to be excited by like you know just ordinary dialogue scenes where like you're getting information or anything but it's just like 
wow, he's like not cutting or anything. Like he's getting so much visual information across and everything just by like, you know, keeping the camera and moving it around just a little bit and everything without having to like, you know, just a bunch of medium shots and everything. Like when, um, when they're uh, questioning, like, uh, the, way, the way, like, you know, McLaughlin would just, like, come into the foreground of a shot and everything when, like, you're sitting with people talking for a while and everything, and it's, he sort of, like, throws things off kilter and everything. And I also just love the, the visual joke of, like, the, the, the one guy that Michael Dory just keeps dumping his cases on. He's like, don't put don't it on my do desk. It. Don't put don't it on my do desk. It. <laughs> Damn it. I hate you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the long tracking shot of, I know we keep bringing this up, but I do love that long tracking shot of, like, Oh, she's having sex with him in the car when he's when the alien is the, uh, possessing the sex worker or the stripper, and then like realizing that it's going a little too far, and you kind of go, it's like a crazy. Then she shot, starts laughing. Yeah, yeah, she starts laughing, yeah. and then you start to see that she's really like, yeah, literally fucking him to death. It's, it's yeah. and then hilarious. just opens the door and just pushes him out. You yeah, know, it's so funny, and it, it there's so many ways that scene, especially in the '80s, like it could have been really gross and like. Uh, very voyeuristic in a certain way, but instead it understands like even that type of uh, commentary in terms of what it's saying about gender. Like it's not if you just want to take it as a fun genre exercise, you can just read it as that. But like there, there's so much information with that shot without hitting you over the head about what it's getting at. It's still very much pro- propelling the story and you know everything forward within the action. Yeah, yeah, and that that's also a scene I. Shoulder talks about how like he went to see the movie like at a screen. He was uh, and I I have to think that this is the scene he's talking about where like he says he went to go see it with Martin Landau, you know he's worked with before on Alone in the Dark. He he was like kind of put off by people laughing at unexpected moments in the movie, and he says uh it, and Landau told him it wasn't a bad laugh. They laughed because they were uncomfortable. He was right. A lot of times if the emotion is too big, it doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, this is what happens. That's one of those scenes where it is kind of funny and everything, but then you're also it also goes maybe just like a little too, like like the scene the encounter goes like uh, goes too far and you're like oh like it is like kind of like it's like it, it's like you're like not sure I'm, I, or I'm sitting there watching thinking do I laugh am I a little uncomfortable well I guess I'm like a little mm-hmm. bit of both and everything because it is just like one of those scenes especially because like well then it is like treated as a joke and everything where people are like why are his well, why are his pants out it's like what do you think and everything like when they're at the crime but, scene afterwards the characters yeah. are all sincere though I mean everybody right. nobody yes. is winking at the camera all the characters are playing it That's straight you know. It's it, it it's it, especially Kyle MacLachlan is, you know, and that's the type of performance where you can see if it was made today, it would be really snarky and like or right. I, you could see it being that way. But the drama is all very real for the characters as heightened as the action and all the you know, grotesque spectacles are, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, McLaughlin. Yeah, you're right. Like him playing it so sincerely. I mean, just like his physical performance is so funny. Like when he's like when he's drinking at the table, he's not just like drunk in like terms of his speech or anything but the way he's like drinking the beer bottle it's like he almost can't get his mouth to fit yeah. on the end of the bottle yeah. it's yeah. just such a funny like he fucking choice he's like do i wrap my whole mouth around the <laughs> yeah. this? like he's like yeah. he's calculating it mechanically right he's like he's like maybe you know and it's funny too because he's drinking it out of a bottle and his partner for for all intents and purposes is drinking it too. out of a glass right yeah. like so it's this weird thing of he's just like he seems i mean maybe that's where my joke of the Kyle McLaughlin stacked on top of each other kind of came from maybe cuz it's yeah his whole energy his the way he moves his whole body he just feels like he's in like a suit that's too big for him kind of yeah 
<laughs> like he's David Byrne. It's, yeah. <laughs> yes. A little, a little. Yeah. yeah. He's like an alien in a David Byrne suit. I will say that the, the Alka-Seltzer bit is just so fucking funny. And then it gets, he gives him the, what is it? The Tylenol at the crime scene. And he puts, yeah, yeah, yeah. puts it in the glass too. And then he's just like the glass is empty. He's like, and then later in the shot, like later in another shot, you see him, he's drinking a glass and he's like tapping the bottom yeah. of the glass yeah. as if like, I want to get every drop of water. Yeah. It's so but funny. But even the pathos ah. of his character, like it, it, and it's not like this is a film you get very emotionally attached to these characters, but like even Kyle MacLachlan just provides just the right amount of like pathos and melancholy for right, his, right. You're kind of like, good for, good for you, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and Nuri gets it too at the end of it when he realizes that his friends are now like susceptible to being taken over by the Ewing. He's like, Willis, my friend. Yeah, yeah. And then Oglaka's like, I'm sorry. Well, like, I, I am <laughs> glad he asked the question because there is, I, I do think what sort of gets lost specifically almost in the stripper sequence kind of because it is kind of zany and like insane and fun, right? But you do kind of like forget. You're like, oh, like she's dead now, though, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like he the, talks to the friend and who's really he, distraught. Yeah, about yeah, it. yeah. Like he and you know when the when the lieutenant uh, after after his great actor of a dog who again the dog like you watch the dog and you're like yo that dog's really crazy but then you're like no wait the dog, the dog is, is dead, dead now. Yeah. Yeah. It's like and it's sort of this weird thing and it I do think that moment in the police station is really nice in that regard. Cause like he stops to ask the question. He's like, so, Hey, so that's the Lieutenant, but it's not the Lieutenant. Like, is he dead? And McLaughlin's like, Oh yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, buddy. Like it's done. And so it is kind of this interesting moment where you're like, Oh, right. Like I kind of forgot. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And to set up and pay off too and everything. Like when they break up the flamethrower in the first act and everything, and like it gets used in the best way in the Hell climax. Yeah. And yeah. It's just like, I've seen movies that like they try to do that stuff, and it's like, ah, oh, man, like, and they sometimes like whiff the payoff and everything. And this movie just gets it just right. Yeah. Like, I, I knew it was coming, and I still laughed like it's, just as hard as I did the first it's a, time. It's a perfect moment because it's just like it, that's. I mean, that's part of the thing. You know, it has big video game energy. I feel like in that I, moment. I, um, well, I was just thinking about how you mentioning that, where they literally pull weapons out of thin air. At one point, one character just has a bazooka or something. And right, like, right. Where the fuck yeah. did that come from? But it's too cool for you to care. <laughs> and the slapstick quality, too, to that, where, like, it is, like, a violent movie with, like, people getting, like, shot with, like, all these bloody squibs, which look great and everything. But, like, one of when he shoots Danny the lieutenant... Yeah, yeah, yeah well, for that's like, so funny. And he improv that line to Corey to shoulder. Yeah, Kevin, like, Kevin messaged us in the group chat like like three second Danny Trejo cameo. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah. No, what kind of hippie are you? Yeah. And you're right about the video game energy where that's what a boss battle also feels like when right. you're just no, that, that's kind of like, that's kind of <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, it's this really. And the, just the way that it escalates, you're kind of like, certainly not by accident. And this is, again, maybe where you could re- start to read the commentary in it. But it's like covering its bases in terms of like the pockets of society or institution that it's like working its way through. Right. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's like yes. the car dealership and like wealthy, rich, shitty people. Right. Or mm-hmm. the sex work industry in general. And then how we you know like i don't know it's like that stuff's like i said it's all there just window dressing to a degree and so it's interesting where the movie ultimately lines up where like as if mclaughlin 
to the movie is like enough. Like we've yeah, like, yeah. like it just escalates to this, this, this like place of, uh, of, you know, national power, so to speak that, that he can't really help himself. It kind of reminded me of the, um, what's the fake. Oh, is it the Simpsons where like, there's like a I'm fake listening. Mel Gibson movie. Yeah, the dog's the swifty eyes, yeah. And he stabs someone with an American flag. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's the energy that I felt in the scene in the press conference scene, kind of, where McLaughlin pulls out the flamethrower. Like it just has that exact energy to it. Um, That's true. Yeah. mm -hmm. And it's truly incredible. I started my wife and I were watching it and we were just kind of like, What would you do? Like, you're like, like if I saw that, right? And then it's immediately followed by everybody seeing the our, our bug friend pop pop out of a mouth. Like, I I think I would just believe in everything I've ever heard about at that point, kind <laughs> yeah. of. You know, like, if people are like, well, you know, there are lizard people controlling the government, I'd be like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> fucking probably. Like, yeah, like <laughs> I, I just kind of like that this movie doesn't even bother with them trying to be like, this person's insane. <laughs> like, get him, to yeah. a, get him to a psych ward or something. Like, it's just, yeah, right. once people see it, they believe it, which... I, I don't mean to get too far ahead, but there's even some ambiguity towards Lynn Shay's uh, supporting character of like just about to bring that yeah, up. In, so the, in, the, clo- in the closet, yeah. like she sees what we assume is the transferal. So like, but right. she doesn't say anything, and she's horrified. That's and the, interesting. Yeah, I didn't there think is about something that about. Yeah. But again. I think the movie does just enough to that's chilling enough to just have that shot of her in the closet saying she potentially saw this. She probably did. And then it, Kevin's kind of going, mm, I don't well, know. I'm just like, <laughs> cool. I mean, that's the, the cool part about yeah. it. It's just like, she does, but who knows? And you're catching her when she's leaving. So she doesn't really like, and also just like, she doesn't know anything that's going on. How does she begin to be like, oh, thank God you found me. So big slug just went into this guy's mouth. I don't know what that's about, but we got a press conference to go to. And that's <laughs> yeah. a whole thing, too. I mean, it even made me think a little bit about the one character in Alone in the Dark who says, I feel like I'm, you know, seeing things again, basically. <laughs> like, And then that's never really, like, uh, brought up a- again. It's actually towards the end of the movie, but it's kind of a line one character dropped and and then they don't even get into that either. It kind of made me think of how like little spare breadcrumbs like that are like, oh, you're hinting at something a little more sinister. <laughs> Kevin, you had mentioned there was a rewrite at one point. Um, Mostly, I don't know about rewrite, but I think it was more so, I think Shoulder was like, you know, just, doing directorial shit where he took the script and was doing stuff to it and that may have made the writer be like I don't want my name on it Interesting. plus plus he wasn't able to direct it so he didn't want his name on it either. right I would just be curious to know if like the ending was meant to be more I like... think I think he said in the commentary that was one thing that I didn't mess with like at all Okay, interesting. Because in the commentary he even like spells out he's like this is exactly what the ending is so that there's no you know, misinterpreting it. And I was like, cause it does seem like a, I mean, it, I I feel like an easy layup for the ending other than the insane route that they go. Right. Is you just end it in a Manchurian candidate esque fashion almost where you just have, you know, you're like, Ooh, it's like an, you know, like an X-Files episode or something. Right. Like you could see like a more kind of like, Whoa, like sinister ending to the movie than the route that the movie goes. 
because the it all like disturbing behavior or something. Yeah, yeah. kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah, and so it's it's it I'm, sucks. I'm trying not to get into <laughs> it's, specifics because it's, really it's something that everybody should watch. But the route that they go is far more violent and insane in a way that that almost feels like a writing choice being undone in a rewrite where they're like, well, no, we're just going to do this instead so we can get here. Cause it feels, and yeah. that to me would explain the Senator's aid in the closet thing, uh, literally in the closet, not, you know, figuratively, but <laughs> I mean, us talking about this, I haven't thought about this movie in so long, but I'm just thinking about it because it's a bad example of this, but does anyone here seen the 2006 remake of the omen? <laughs> No. no. Yes. Okay. Philippe Schreiber. I, I, I think right. I'm gonna. I, okay. Julia so Stiles. Yes. I, I hope it's okay. Is it okay if I spoil the 2006 no. ending? No. I think you. I think you're okay, fine. So like, a movie it's, that it's, they made so they could just release a movie on six, June six, six. six, six. Yes. 2006. Yeah. Where yeah. I remember being in high school and everyone was like, "We're gonna go see The Omen today," and then no yeah. one gave a uh-huh. shit after that. It only existed for that random Tuesday or whatever the uh-huh. fuck that movie came out. Yeah. But at the end of that movie, it's basically a shot for shot. Re- make of the omen with a few exceptions but at the end of that movie damien gets adopted by the president <laughs> well so am i wrong in like... thinking in the original <laughs> franchise of the omen doesn't he ultimately become president oh right i isn't see, that I've like i've only seen the original omen but i just remember being a teenager i could be wrong i and i believe sam neil plays him in the later <laughs> it's just, sequels it's right? just so funny though it's just this random family and then it's just like this poor boy what are we going to do with him? And then for the remake logic to be like, well, let's have the president adopt yeah. him. You know how, you know how the president <laughs> you know just how does that? The yeah. president yeah. just adopts random orphans who have their Now, like now Mr. Setup. President, we have something to tell you about this child. No, it's fine. I'll tell you. It feels like yeah. the setup for a fucking like, Eddie Murphy comedy or something <laughs> yeah, like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. With regards to this whole Lin Shay, you know, does she know? I'm like, is she cool with like just having this evil alien be the president? <laughs> Um, wouldn't be uh, that different, it, am I right? Hey, hey, hey. Well, I think that's like the well, Callum Marsh, a uh, Canadian writer on Letterboxd, wrote, uh, wrote about this movie uh, back in 2019. He said um, about the alien, he's a walking satiric example of the ideal American consumer, so much to kid in the candy store that the candy store is even on his running list of robberies. That's a great joke in the movie. Yeah. Um, his greatest aspiration, public office, only the logical end of his voracious materialism. I want to be president. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think that is like the movie where it's like, yeah, I don't know. This guy, like, he's able to stay hidden and fit in because, like, I don't know. He's not his, – his, his, his worst attitudes are not, like, that – different than the worst attitudes of like a terrible American. You mean a man who lives in Hollywood has a voracious appetite and wants to become president in the eighties. Who did that? I know I was thinking we did literally watch a insurrection happen on live television. And now that well, that's kind of, I guess that's president again. Maybe that, Oh, that wasn't even, I was talking about Reagan to be clear, but Trump was, prevalent in the 80s too yeah. the, the insurrection um, was just a mass uh aliens being vomited up into another person's mouth just over and over like and this over. is the thing at this i guess that's my point about like i would just believe it if i saw like if i like yeah. saw that happen on tv i would just kind of be like i guess but but i think my brain would just go further like i'd be like okay so aliens and i guess god like i would just start believing everything i'd be like oh i I guess everything I've ever heard about anything is true. Like, cause it's like truly an insane news day. Like, yeah. 
it's yeah like mass shootout at the police station multiple homicides throughout the week right and then like a flip <laughs> stolen jukebox yeah. from a fucking music store um there's that oh uh, <laughs> the music store scene is insane that guy by the way i don't i do not like, understand so he gets an alien into him and he's just like oh look at this new body i'm gonna go steal some cassettes <laughs> <laughs> but he's got kind of banging taste in music, like I said. He's got, he's, it's, a, it's like a good little mixtape he's got going on there. I also I have a sneaking suspicion that the guy who ran the music store and the guy who played the car dealer like car salesman were supposed to swap roles. Cause like the guy who's in the music store just has like big used car salesman energy. <laughs> I will say that the fucking shot where, I mean, probably the other, there's a, there's like two really, really funny fucking scenes where it's the entire car dealership thing where he's just like, I want this car. And they're just like, cool man um, I want this car <laughs> you're just like where are the it's keys the <laughs> I like that it's it doesn't like, make no. you feel too bad about those guys too that they just go back and they start snorting lines of coke well, in the, the, the cut to them just yeah. and I was just like holy shit it's like a coral <laughs> like sort of match cut yeah, yeah. So and they're good. getting cocaine out of a little miniature like little Corvette <laughs> car it's just very funny you know how people oh, do I, cocaine I, <laughs> I have a question who of the various performers who play the alien, who do you think is the best uh, oh, iteration? I think question. it's the second guy. The second guy is my favorite. Like the way he's running after the Ferrari and the street, clutching his chest and like then like gradually like, limping along, like because yes, like he's not like triple bypass, so right. his body is shit. And <laughs> yeah. it's the most, like still like determined to get that the car. Most Vincent D'Onofrio so and Men in Black energy for sure. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. yeah. yeah. He de- yeah, he definitely seems he seems the hardest at disguising. Like he's having the hardest time in that yeah. body disguising that he's a slug alien, I think. I mean, it's also like I just I find like shitty ways of like covering up your wounds to be just like a funny bit. Like he like the 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 like the the sort of like body parts are like bursting out of his veins, so he covers it up with like scotch tape yeah. and everything. But, and I mean, there's an episode in, I think in Barry season two where like Bill Hader gets stabbed and like his his uh, handler gets him like crazy glue to cover up the wound and everything. So like, I just find like shitty makeshift like medical devices very funny. I weirdly um, thought of Green Room yeah. where Anton Yelkin just like duct tapes oh, his arm. He tapes yeah, it up too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that one's far more grim and uh, oh. upsetting. But you know, it's funny. I have never. Never gone back and rewatched that movie. Oh, I, it's rules. a great movie, yeah. But I've never gone back and rewatched it because I don't want to re-experience that scene. It's, like, oh, it's intense. yeah. And what's funny is the violence in that happens off screen. It's just the aftermath that's so upsetting. Like, yeah. That one, I mean, I mean you do see of, Imogen Poots carve up a man's chest. No, I'm, I'm just <laughs> talking Weber about that one moment. Even, the the exacto knife. Yeah. yeah, that bit. Ugh, ugh. Um, also, just that that scene of him taping his arm up and him being at the bar. I was just thinking, God, if you only had like, if you were like one of those that guy actors where you had to be like, you only had a couple lines. It would be the most fun to be like, yo buddy, are you mentally ill well, or something? Oh, like- Jack McGee, the <laughs> ultimate that guy. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Cause he, that guy <laughs> pops up everywhere. Right. Yeah. <laughs> He's Mark Wahlberg's uh, dad. I think in the fighter, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so I, I will say William Boyette is the, as the actor, I think of um, who plays the second iteration of the, the alien, which is my favorite really quickly. What are your, all your favorites. Uh, I'm going with him probably too. Either that or the the stripper. Just because I was just like, Claudia oh Christian. shit. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't know that we could go, you know, to, to this place. And then when the dog, what? No, what am I talking about? The dog? What? What? No, yeah. The dog's yeah. great. The dog's great. When that happened, <laughs> yeah. I was just, I was just hooting and hollering like it was a fucking, like it was, uh, yeah, that, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my favorite. The dog. Yeah, I think I, I gotta, I mean, the dog is great. I, but I do think I have to go Claudia Christian because that just that whole yeah. run of the movie and that whole sequence, you're like, oh yeah, this thing is really just firing on all cylinders. Like, yeah, yeah. I, 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 they, what I like, you know, they don't. It's not like the alien possesses her either, and she has like a total makeover either. She's just like it, her performance, like just changes, like her, her very steely, yeah, very steely. Yeah. Her with those you know what is it a shotgun what what does she have it's just so it's it's like a pump action shotgun oh my god it's so badass and then i do think that the most dramatically compelling like the stakes are raising moment is when they you know kyle mclaughlin first pulls out the the it's the first time you see him pull out that weapon that can kill the alien and that scene where she's like i'm not coming out yet is like yeah, actually she's oh, really yeah. amazing. So good. she it's <laughs> she has this kind of guttural like move that she does yeah where He's, you're like is that thing gonna pop out of her fucking shoulder mouth said that moment? was her like, idea to be like i could throw up this thing at any given moment yeah. and i was yeah. like that is it's perfect. great it's a great <laughs> choice yeah Okay, I feel like we could talk about this movie for like three hours, so any... I just want to shout... Roy the Dog is the dog's name, by the way. Hell yeah. Roy the Dog. Thank you. Was Roy in yeah. anything else? Um, Let's get two seconds. You, what's, you, what's, keep, you keep going. What's I'll Roy you. the Dog's top four on Letterboxd? Um, <laughs> let's see. Do you also think the... Uh, uh, I forget her name. Is it... It's not Applegate, because I'm thinking Christina Applegate, but the author of Animorphs like saw this movie because i did think of animorphs <laughs> while watching this i mean it's kind of the same thing it, i mean not as gross they go in your ear canal as opposed to your mouth but okay but now i need an animorphs cover where it's oh. the triple bypass guy the stripper and then it just turns into a dog <laughs> well so sorry roy the dog is the character's name jake oh, my bad is the dog's name jake Aww. jake Hell is yeah. known jake is known for a nightmare on elm street for the dream master Oh, we will have to be. We, we will, will be, be covering, covering that. So we got to. We got to look out for Jake. Uh, te- Texasville. Wow, I need to watch to that. Last picture show. Damn, yeah. g- good movie. I need yeah, to watch that. It, it just yeah, came the out director's on cut. Just yeah, the director's cut just came out on Criterion, uh, and I watched it when we did our Peter Bogdanovich episode. That's a good movie. And yeah. you know who's great in it? Jake. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, Charlie Catherine Applegate. <laughs> okay. Uh, Wow, I wasn't too far up. I was like, you it's were not, not Christina, Jesus. Like, <laughs> you, you, were, you were close. No, I was right, like, right I there. think it starts okay. with a C, but it's not Christina Applegate. <laughs> she, I think I think she was, uh, her author name was K.A. Applegate. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Any other final thoughts on Animorphs when we went to the Scholastic Book Fair and shit? And, you know, we were, we were getting those and... Which Iceman was in Animorphs? Were they both in that Animorphs? That was um, Sean Ashmore. I had a big old crush on him. And then Aaron was his brother? Yes, I right. think. Were they were both actors, though, right? I think so, but they were Sean t- was bigger. Sean was the bigger actor because he was in X-Men. and. Um, but he was the also ruins. the one in Animorphs. Yes. Not his twin brother. No, I don't think so. Okay. It's also one of those things where you watch that show as a kid and you think it's the most intense thing and then you look it up on YouTube and you're like, this is the cheesiest fucking thing I've ever <laughs> that, seen in my that's, life. <laughs> that's me with, I, I've downloaded, what is it, Crybaby Lane, that um, 
what was the Nickelodeon scariest show? What was are it called? So you're afraid of the dark. Are you crybaby lane? Is what you? That's what you. No, no, no. That was like a one where it's just like they showed that once and like they got complaints from kids that it was too damn scary. And I can't wait to rewatch that and be like, I who the fuck is this? This is yeah. like as scary as Halloween yeah. Town. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've rewatched some of Are You Afraid of the Dark, which I was too like I saw scattershot episodes as a kid and like hid behind the couch at like friends houses because of that show and rewatching it now it's you're like oh this is adorable <laughs> yeah it's like watching goosebumps yeah, yeah. baby face jay barrow show yeah. i know he guested on it at one point yeah <laughs> didn't yeah. ryan gosling have an episode on that show sounds I about right he did. Yeah. he did yeah i believe okay i'm i'm conflating the intro of of are you afraid of the dark and goosebumps because goosebumps has the intro with the dog with the eyes that change right correct and are you afraid of the dark has the swing yes the swing fuck that swing i think the the intro is the intro the eerie intro is like seared into my brain of that because i'm thinking of that's goosebumps yes correct Speaking of music, I love. I, I want to share the score in the hidden, which is awesome. It's pretty like, just badass. Like every time, like like the, the like the sort of keyboard riff, it goes like dum dum like when it's like speeding up. When, especially Very when the American warehouse all oh, just jacks me up every time. Yeah. So good. Yeah. There's another funny scene where it's a. Uh, I think it's after the car crashes into the mannequin spot in Comic Lockland. It's like I'm going in, and my man is just like, "Good, I'll cover you." And he's like, "I I'd appreciate it if you didn't." He's like, "All right, fine, I won't cover you. I'd like to you for to cover me." He's like. All right, I guess I'll cover you. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna fucking cover you or not. <laughs> yeah. Irritable Michael Dury is very funny. Yeah. Yes. Like that's like yeah. those moments are very good. Um and Michael Convertino is the composer who I wanted to shout out, so glad I shouted him out. Yeah. All right, final thoughts on the hidden. Every everyone should watch it. Yeah. 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 It's like it's funny, it's exciting, it's cleanly shot and edited. I mean, you see shoulders like, you know you know, feeling for pace, like in his background as an editor is like really shines through here. It's got like a little, like we said, it's got a little bit of like political commentary to it. If you want to look, if you want to look for that, and it's, I think that's pretty sharp as on that. And you all, there is like just enough of an emotional core that like, that like makes you care about the characters without like detracting from the humor and the excitement of the whole thing. I think it's, just, this is like, to me, the ideal of like a mainstream, like genre film. Like if every action movie was as well-made and acted and written and cut together as this one is like i would be a happy man uh yeah it's fantastic well it's even wild as this movie debuted at number six so it's like not even this wasn't that, even like yeah yeah it's not even like this was like the fugitive where it was like huge and then got oscars and blah 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 it's just like this debuted at number six and the next week it went to number nine and then after that it Look, was like we, 25th so we didn't know what we had no, no, yeah. no, we we were too fucking busy watching Flashdance, and that's why we we <laughs> fucked up as a society. Four years later, still still hooked on it. <laughs> still hooked on it. What a feeling! Now, thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Almost Major. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please follow the pod on Twitter at Almost Major to keep up to date with what movies we will be covering in the future. Myself, I can be found on Twitter and Letterbox at Kev Bonesy. Bryden can be found on Twitter at Bryden Doyle and on Letterbox at J Doyle. Charlie can be found on Twitter and Letterbox at CT Nash91. Once again, thank you for listening.